to the podcast formerly known as The Good Old Days. I'm Jasmine, and this is Killing Nostalgia, a historic true crime podcast. If you haven't already, you can find me and all of my projects on Twitter and TikTok at darknostalgia underscore and Instagram and Facebook at darknostalgiaworks. All of my previous episodes, including the good old days, are at darknostalgiaworks.com. You'll also find the show notes for this episode, as well as images and different documents if you're interested in looking at those. And I promise, I promise, promise, Dark Nostalgia Bakes is coming super soon. I'm just working on tweaking a few last things. Now, this week, I have a very spooky story for you. And if you listened to Maggie and I's episode around Christmas time, the Lawson family murders. This is a very, very similar story. Also, many of the sources were in German. So please bear with me. I do not speak German, but Google Translate was my friend. There was a whole website created with every single document and all kinds of things that were really great for this particular case. So shout out to that particular website, and I will post it and highlight it on the website post for this particular episode. Now, this week, I'm going to be talking about something that were known as the Hinterkaifeck murders or the Hinterkaifeck farm murders. On March 31st, 1922, six people were murdered on a farm located about 40 miles north of Munich, Germany. The murderer or murderers lived with the corpses for three whole days before leaving. Despite there being over a dozen serious suspects and all in all over a hundred suspected people, to this day, no one actually knows who the murderer was or what prompted the slaying. This is considered to be one of the most puzzling cases in German history to date. Now, what's happening in Germany in 1922. This is post-Great War Germany or post-World War I. There is continued unrest over issues of disarmament, the economy, reparations, and taxes. As farmers, the economy and taxes would have concerned the Gruber family that lived at Hinterkaifeck Farm. The year prior had seen several trials of war criminals and everyone was a little on edge. Described as a general period of gloom in Germany's history, German citizens were witnessing and experiencing unstable governments, continued strikes and protests that interfered with goods and services, and increased right-wing violence that saw several political murders, as well as violence against the middle classes, landowners, and farmers. This is the same year Hitler stood in front of a Munich audience and said, quote, there are only two possibilities, either victory of the Aryan or annihilation of the Aryan and victory of the Jew. And this is still a time that Germany had a free press and a democratic government and science and all of those good things. However, unrest was the undercurrent of the time that the Grubers are living in. The Gruber family was made up of Andreas Gruber, who was 63, and his wife, Casilla Gruber, who was 72. Their widowed daughter, Victoria Gabrielle, who I believe actually owned the farm, at least in part, and her husband had actually died in World War I. Victoria 
had two children, Kazilla and Joseph, that also lived on the farm. Kazilla was named, of course, after her mother and was seven years old. And Joseph was just two years old in 1922. His father reportedly was a neighbor that Victoria had had a relationship with. The neighbor's name was Lorenz Schlittenbauer. And I apologize for my pronunciation through this whole episode. Again, I never took German. My brother did and my mom did. And I, of course, had to be different and go and take French. So apologies all around. Now back to Lorenz. Lorenz's wife also had died. And the two actually wanted to get married, Victoria and Lorenz. They had this whole plan, especially after it became clear that Victoria was pregnant. But Andreas, her father, had refused this. And more on that in just a moment. There was also a maid living at the family farm. There were actually two overlapping in the time period that I'm going to be talking about today. The first one was just 19 or 20 years old. Her name was Rager. And she left her position due to strange things that she said were happening at the farm. A new maid named Maria Baumgartner, who was 44, unfortunately came to start her new job on the day the murders occurred. Talk about bad timing. The first maid, Rieger, the 19-year-old, reported a lot of strange events. Again, this is why she left her job. I guess this is an important note to always trust your gut. Now, I did find a whole statement from her that the police took following the murders. And the first thing that she addresses in this statement is an incestual relationship between Victoria and her father, Andreas. There had been an established history of abuse with Andreas actually having served one year in prison, and Victoria was actually sentenced to one month in prison, if you can believe that, in 1915. They were charged again in 1919, but were acquitted. Reger stated that she had seen the two having sexual relations in the summer of 1921, and this is less than a year before everything goes down. What she witnesses is verified by several other people at least a few of whom also claimed to have walked in on Andreas abusing his daughter. Riger also believed that the house was haunted because she continuously heard strange sounds in the attic. She also said she thought she had seen a ghost in her window. She found locked doors unlocked and opened when they shouldn't have been. She often found her door open after closing it when no one should have been in that area of the house. And it's not super clear, but in her statement, it looks like a local farmer's sons showed up to her window. Uh, the Thayer brothers is, is what they're known as and tried to ask her odd questions about the family in the middle of the night. They even tried to get her to open her window. And she says that one brother was standing in the window asking her these things and trying to entice her in this way. And another one was kind of round the corner and thought that she didn't see him. So again, major alarm bells. She was smart and didn't open her window and tried her best to ignore them until they went away. When they did, she kind of creeped out of bed and looked out of another window to see where they were going. And she said that they stopped in the barn and kind of looked around a little bit before finally leaving. She makes it very clear that she believes that the Thayer brothers are the ones responsible for the murders. Now, in addition to her statement, there are several other people who have noted that the Gruber family said weird things had been happening on their farm leading up to their murders. 
two weeks before they happened, a daily Munich newspaper was found in the home. No one in the family remembered getting it. No one in the area subscribed to it. And this could not be explained. Andreas even went into town and asked people about this. And obviously, it was weird enough that people remembered it. He even asked the postman who knew the family well. He visited the family on a daily basis. And he did not remember leaving it there. He did not carry one typically on him, said that it wasn't something that anyone on his route regularly had. So it was a very weird thing. Also, at some point in the week leading up to the murder, Victoria ran from the house in fear in the middle of the night, but no one is really sure why. Her daughter, Kazilla, was noted as being excessively tired the next day at school and kind of talked a little bit about this. But as she was a young child, no one seemed to have paid any attention. And this is raising all kinds of alarm bells, especially with what we know was happening in that house. But it was never investigated. No one followed up. And we are left with more questions than answers. On March 30th, Andrea said that there were tracks in the snow. It's not clear if it was one or two people, but their engine shed had been broken into. He believed that the person or persons who broke in had thought that they might be able to get through to the main house, but had not realized that it did not connect and nothing had been broken or stolen. The morning of the murders, March 31st, Andreas and Victoria went into town and reported hearing a lot of strange noises in the attic the night before. They also said that they found their cattle untied that morning. They hadn't gone anywhere, but it was clear that someone had done this. Now, the first thing I'm thinking of when I read this is, why did they not go into their attic and have a look around? (laughs) Um, I don't know if it was inaccessible or what was going on with that. Maybe they did and they didn't find anyone. I'm really not sure what's happening here, but massive alarm bells and no one really seems to be taking this super seriously, at least not within this family. There's weird things happening. I guess they've got other things going on and it doesn't really strike them to investigate further. That's the way it sounded in all of these statements. Later in the day, the new maid, Maria, and her sister would make their way to Hinterkaifeck Farm. They would meet the family, sit down, you know, do all of the new introduction stuff. Maria's sister would help her get settled into her new quarters. And then at 6 p.m., the sisters said their goodbyes. One of the saddest elements in this story for me is that Maria wasn't due to start work until the next day. But being a good employee and wanting to make a good impression, she got there a day early. Her sister was staying at an inn a short walk away just in the town, and she could have stayed that night with her sister and showed up first thing. Instead, she went, got settled in, and never got to start her new job. At some point that evening, or perhaps even in the early hours of the next morning, The murderer or murderers used a pickaxe tool from the farm to bludgeon all six people. In later reconstructions, it's estimated that Victoria was likely first, then her mother, father, and daughter, followed by the maid and then two-year-old Joseph. This is partially because Victoria, her mother, father, and daughter were all found out in the barn, and the maid and Joseph were found in a bedroom in the house. The next evening on April 1st, a local carpenter visited at night. I think he was trying to see the family 
or stop in, had a question. I'm not really sure. He just says he was at the farm. He claimed to have seen a fire burning in the fireplace, and he said he saw a stranger with a flashlight, but didn't make out any of the features because the flashlight was being shined in his face. I don't know why they didn't have a conversation or talk, but the carpenter then left. Earlier that day, coffee reps also had said that they visited, but there was no answer at the door and they did not see anyone at the farm. Two days later, on April 3rd, the postman drops off the paper, not the one from Munich, and notes not seeing the little boy in the kitchen window as he usually does. He also said that it was odd because the kitchen door was open, but again, no one seemed to be around. The following day at 9 a.m. on April 4th, a repairman made his way to the house and found it locked up. He heard the dog barking from inside, though, so he decided to wait and waited over an hour. But obviously, no one ever came. After waiting, he decided to enter the engine house anyway. If you remember, the lock had been broken and he made repairs for over four hours. He never saw or heard anyone. He said when he went to leave, he noticed the barn doors were open when they had been closed earlier when he had arrived. And the dog now was outside, but the doors to the house were still locked up. He reports this to other locals and the mayor because it just seems so odd. And as he's talking to them later in this evening, neighbors, including little Joseph's father, go to investigate after no one had been seen or heard from. The townspeople are kind of piecing this together. Kazilla had missed school. Victoria had not been seen at church. And she was a part of the choir. It was highly unusual for her to miss any any practice. When neighbors show up, they find Andreas, both Kazilla's and Victoria, dead in the barn, and Maria and Joseph in the house. Joseph was still in his bassinet. Several days later, on April 8th, funerals were attended by over 3,000 people. Now, of course, police investigations had started immediately. They identified over 100 potential suspects right off the bat. Eventually, they did whittle it down to about a core dozen. But it was still a really difficult case. It was clear that someone had been there for several days based on the testimony they had gotten from the repairman and the postman and all of the people who had stopped by the farm in the days after the murder. In addition to that, all of the animals were well cared for. They ruled out robbery as a motive because there were large sums of money in the house and nothing looked like it had been taken. But they still couldn't figure out who would do this and why. Their top suspects were the Thalia brothers, the two boys that the maid had seen in her window, one of the reasons she had left, remember, that had asked her weird questions and wanted to get into the house. Although their motivation likely would have been robbery, and that had already been discredited. Their most likely suspect, who they arrested multiple times, was Victoria's almost second husband, Lorenz. People found it weird that he had had a key and noted that as soon as they got to the property, he had gone straight to the house and he was all alone when he entered. They thought it might have been to cover something up or hide something or move something. Now, what could his possible motive be? Well, there had been rumors in the town and speculation about Joseph's actual parentage. And that would have been a very real motivation. Because of the noted abuse with Andreas and Victoria, people thought that Andreas might be the real father of Joseph. 
Now, Lorenz was paying child support. There had been multiple issues over this because since Joseph had been born, Lorenz had married another woman and had started a whole different family with this woman. And this would go along the lines of that whole family annihilator or what we now call that family annihilator outlook. He wanted to get rid of his old family so he could go forward with his new one without any ties to his past. He also reportedly knew things only the murderer would know. Like he later made a comment about how the bodies couldn't be buried because the ground was frozen when the murders happened. And there had been no indication on site that someone had tried to dig any graves. He also was able to point out some things in the house that he shouldn't have necessarily known were there. It could have all been coincidence. We're not really sure. And police were never able to pin it on him. And this is where we start to get into the very odd theories. And I picked my two favorites. The first was that a man named Paul Mueller had done it. He was a potential serial killer who operated in the U.S. during this time, during the 20th century. But he was a German immigrant. He is to be responsible for anywhere from 40 to 100 murders. And this theory pops up in a book called The Man from the Train. While I can see where the theory comes from, it is a little bit far-fetched for me because this is the only series of murders that he is tied to in Germany and the timeline is a little off. But I appreciate where they were going with it and it certainly is fascinating. And honestly, the Grubers being the victims of a potential serial killer is definitely realistic. But there were no other murders to this scale committed in Germany at the time or at any point close to this. Now, the weirdest theory that I came across was, and hang on for this one, was that Victoria's late husband, the one who reportedly had died during World War I, Carl Gabriel, had done it. His body had never been found, and people started to speculate that maybe he didn't die. Joseph was obviously not his child, which helped fuel this theory, and it gained more traction after the Second World War when a Soviet spy claimed to have committed the murders and a friend of Carl's had said that he had gone home and seen Victoria pregnant and in anger said that he was going to kill them all. Now, there is no real proof of this. These stories change and morph with time, but I just think that that is really interesting. That has classic family annihilator vibes to me. I think the most likely of all of these stories is Lorenz. He had motive, he had means, and most people did think that it was him. Following all of this, the buildings are actually torn down the the very next year. And in the process, two weapons are found, including a blood-encrusted pocket knife. Now, reportedly, no one was stabbed, so this is a very strange finding. At this point, it's really unlikely that we're going to get any actual answers about this. But I am curious. What are your theories? Send them to me in an email or a comment on a social post or even a DM. I really want to know what you think happened here. Today, although the house doesn't exist, there is a small monument near the site of the murders, And it continues to be the subject of studies and obviously podcasts. (laughs) So there we are. That is all I have for you. And the story of the Hinterkaifeck murders. As a reminder, go and follow me on social media. You can find me on Twitter and TikTok at darknostalgia underscore. 
and Instagram and Facebook at Dark Nostalgia Works. Don't forget to also go and check out the website, darknostalgiaworks.com. On there are all of the projects, previous episodes, upcoming things, and eventually, I promise, all of my tasty recipes from Dark Nostalgia Bakes. Okay, well, until next time, bye-bye. <laughs>